Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do. Like me, taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Hey there, Gary Parrish. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Ion College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting dodo birds and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me. I should tell you, my leaky black shirt is in. What are we doing? It made it all the way to North Mississippi. What are we doing? Why are you not wearing it? It just occurred to me as I was saying, hey there. It just occurred to me that my leaky black shirt is here, and I should have been wearing it. That's that's on me. That's a, that's oh a, man! That's I a, was that, wondering. I was going to not say anything until we got to. There's going to be a point where North Carolina is going to come up on today's show, and then ask you and just presume that that the uh, the United States Postal Service might have failed us, but it did not. It arrived. Did you try it on? Does it fit appropriately? I, I have not tried it on. I've merely admired it. Okay. I've, good, I've, good shirt, though, right? It's a soft shirt. Yeah, you love your soft shirt. Shouts to Breaking oh Tea. God. Breaking Tea does an amazing job with those with those shirts. Yes, it's a great shirt. It has to be a soft shirt. I can't. I, if it were not a soft shirt, I wouldn't be able to wear it. But it's a soft shirt, so I'm gonna I'm gonna rock it regularly. That's what I like to say. All I right, can see a enough. scenario. I can see a scenario where I'm walking around in my leaky black shirt, my Boise State shorts. That's probably going to be Monday. Thursday and Saturday of every week, probably. Yeah, that's at least three days a week. Yeah. That's that's my outfit. You got in the I just I just found out recently. Had no idea. This is how I'm just. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't. I don't know. I, I I'm unaware of how other people perceive me. Not not <laughs> not uh, in any other way than than the way I dress casually. <laughs> and so I just found out that my. my oh yeah, look- just I mean, keep going. But just so we're clear here, and I don't even say this as a negative, my man. You, if you dress the way you want to dress, it's the year 2003. All right. That's just, that's just who you are and how it is. All right. I, uh, like if I'm going somewhere, it's probably jeans and a hoodie. Like if, like if I got to meet you for a drink, it's, it's probably a jeans and hoodie situation. But if I just got to go to like my little guy's baseball practice, I will wear like oversized basketball shorts and a t-shirt. And I had on backwards. Yeah, you're straight up in a Sum 41 video. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> I look like I'm the front man for Limp Biscuit. No good. But you it's know not, what you do, you. No, but I didn't even I just I didn't even understand that this like this that this like this was anything. 
And then uh, my wife was like, yeah, I was talking to the coach the other day, and he, he, was, he was laughing about your basketball shorts. And I was like, what do you mean laughing about my basketball shorts? She's like, you don't realize you're the only person your age who dresses like that. <laughs> I, just, I just try to be – like right now, I'm in, I'm in basketball shorts and a T-shirt. It's what I wear every day. Yeah, I mean, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in gym shorts. Yeah, I'm in gym shorts, and I'm in a Mo T-shirt. Shouts to Mo, but yeah, um, no, it's just, it's just, yeah, it's, it's just your deal. Like, you know, I'm used to it, but yeah, people don't. You watch the podcast, you're sitting down, so we we normally see it like this. But yes, you are, you have a certain sartorial style that. Uh, let's put it this way, like you know. The late David Stern would have instituted a dress code on you, but I uh, need a dress code. Yeah, you're like you know you, you got a you know a little bit of a Steve Nash feel from back in the day. Yeah, yeah. I'm just sort of I just I walk around in in basketball shorts and t-shirts and in a hat all the time. Yeah, like if you see me, that is probably the way I'm dressed, except for uh, flying. How appropriate is it to fly? I I wear joggers and a t-shirt. Okay or not okay? Uh, I think it's okay. And on the joggers, no. I just got on this train like in April and May. Love, love joggers. Game changer. It's a game changer. Game changer. Game. I bought four more. I, I bought well, my wife got me a pair. I was like, I don't know. I was like, what have I been doing with my life? Four more within the next like two weeks. I'm good to go. We, up here in the Northeast, temps are dropping. Leaves are falling. It's almost cider season. Jogger season. It's coming. Can't wait. I, I I fly in joggers. I basically camouflage joggers every every flight. Of course, of course they're camouflage. I love camouflage joggers. I'm trying to I'm trying to I don't want to be I don't want to be seen. I'm trying to blend in. In case you haven't noticed, it's the off season. Oh yeah. Hey, if you're watching on YouTube, let's get back to the script. <laughs> Please. I like when we get off script, but yes, let's let's get this let's get this car on the on the honor after. Smash the like button like you're Brandon Davies. You have consent. Yeah, if you haven't yet subscribed to the YouTube channel, go ahead and knock that out while you're here. All right, Deadleg. Our Candid Coaches series has continued. We are up to, I believe, we're through six questions so far. On a previous episode last week, we were discussing this just before we went on. We th- we think we discussed question number one and question number two and, and stopped there, but we're not entirely sure. So forgive us. Should we have checked? Should we have checked before we went live? Eh, no, that's not more fun. Probably. Like if we're being honest, probably, but, but we didn't. So we're just going to pick up where we think we left off. <laughs> and, and that was with the uh, question number three. Uh, let's bounce through these. It's been, uh, this is a fun exercise every, every single year. Um, sometimes the answers come back more or less the way I think they they they, they would or should, and, and and every once in a while I, I'm surprised by by the answers that I get from coaches, and and I, I think both of those um, you're going to find examples of that in these four questions that we're discussing today. So let's start with what I believe was question number three, which is what league will be the best league going forward after Texas and Oklahoma officially moved to the SEC. After the schools that are going to the Big 12 go to the Big 12, after UCLA and USC go to the Big 10, what league will be the best league going forward? We asked roughly 100 coaches that question, and the Big 10 came back at number one at 41%, followed by the SEC, 28%, Big 12, 15%, ACC, 14%, Big East, 2%. As you noted on Twitter, the Pac-12 was the only 
anything we know currently as a power five conference that did not get a, a single vote. Let me ask you, if you were voting on that, I said, give me your answer. What's going to be the best league going forward once all this conference realignment stuff, as we know it now, is settled? Would you have said the Big Ten or another league? I would have said the Big 12 uh, because I don't think the Big 12 is going to drop too much here. Obviously, it has ranked. Let me bring up the actual data here at, at Ken Palm. For Ken Palm's rankings, the Big 12 has been the best league in the country. How about this? 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. And this past season, 22. In 2020 and 2021, it was number two. Every other year since 14, it's rated as the best. Now, volume has helped. Bigger does not always mean better because the more teams you have, the more likely you have you know, three or four teams that can really bring down the overall weight of the conference from a, from a power rating standpoint. Now, the Big 12 is going to go back to 12 teams. <laughs> Imagine that logic. But I do think, and as in talking to a few coaches who voted for the Big 12, you lose Oklahoma, Texas, but you bring in BYU, Hello, Houston, uh, UCF, and then Cincinnati. There's a lot there uh, to keep the Big 12, I think, in that conversation overall. Um, one coach told me there's not a bad basketball situation in the entire league. Uh, another coach pointed out to me that they've got the last two national champions, and if Virginia Tech had beaten Virginia, they'd have the last three, right? And another coach told me they... They, they feel like Texas and Oklahoma. Now, this Texas, is Texas Tech, rather. Yeah, what did I say? Texas? You said Virginia Tech. Oh, Virginia, I say Virginia Tech. It, Virginia it Tech me, is, it, it as it wild me. as it would be to have the Hokies in the national championship. <laughs> no, Texas Tech beat Virginia. Obviously, they'd have th the past three national champions. Um, another coach surmised to me that Oklahoma and Texas leaving means that, as far as they're concerned, the Big 12 isn't losing two of its top four basketball outfits doesn't consider texas in the top four in that group doesn't consider oklahoma in the top four in that group and then another coach said Quote, well, let me stop you there give me the top okay. four kansas baylor texas tech what do you do there where's the four uh i'm just reading the quote he gave me he didn't give me the other four so i'm gonna say he would put uh he'd probably <sighs> iowa state i mean historically i don't know he did the coach just said in his opinion he would not put Texas or Oklahoma in the top four men's basketball programs in the conference. And this I is would definitely coach. put Texas in the top four. I I'm, I'm not going to argue about it, but I would definitely to, put yes, Texas. And that, uh, that coach in particular, well, the head coach, uh, but not in that part of uh, in that part of the country. Um, here's what another coach said. He said, well, they'll add Houston, Cincinnati, BYU, and USF. There's no fall off in the Big 12. Houston has been better than Texas and Oklahoma, and they will continue to be better, I think. Cincinnati has been as good as Oklahoma. And BYU and UCF have been competitive. So uh, those are some insights from the coaches. I personally would pick the Big 12 because the data has suggested it. And I don't think the drop-off is going to be too harsh. The other part to this, GP, for me is that, again, like Big 10 SEC, first of all, I think with the expanded college football playoff, I, I oh, we talked about this before. I think Texas, Oklahoma will come to regret this in terms of getting. Now, they, they might squeak, squeak in here and there, but the competition, the, you know, the mountain you have to climb is so much tougher in the SEC than it would be in the Big 12. Like, if you're a Pac 12 school right now, you're Oregon or Washington, you know, and you stand to make millions and millions and millions of more. If you get into the college football playoff with the TV payout, like, why would you ever leave the league? Like, your, your access to it is so much better. In basketball, um, it's not the same slope in terms of getting into the NCAA tournament. But I do think that having 16-team leagues, the ACC kind of bears this out since it went to 15 teams. You know, there is always, you know, 
a number of teams in the ACC for the most part. It's actually had a, you know had a weird dip recently, GP. But 15 teams has not made the ACC a stronger conference. You know, so I, I don't think that makes the SEC or the Big Ten more likely. I was not surprised the Big Ten won. You bring in USC and UCLA. I, I get that, particularly UCLA, UCLA with its, you know, men's basketball pedigree. It's a top five program of all time. I get it. And I wasn't surprised. I thought the Big Ten was going to win. But personally, I take the Big 12. I think the answer might be the Big 12, too. Um, obviously, losing Texas and Oklahoma from a football perspective is devastating. Yeah. Um, but But from a basketball perspective? Houston under Kelvin Sampson, and I say this respectfully, but Houston under Kelvin Sampson is a better basketball program than either. At least it has been. Yes. Maybe it won't stay that way, but it has been. Cincinnati is a historically strong basketball program. It's in a top 12 all time. Yes. Now, a lot of that was hugs, although they won national championships before hugs. But. I believe in Cincinnati basketball. So that that's a that's a really strong program. BYU is a historically good basketball program. Uh I think it ranks top three. Um this is right off the top of my head. It's BYU is either top three all time in tournament appearances without a final four or tournament wins. Like it's one of those schools, the best ever to not actually made a, make a final four. A very good history, very good program. Yes. Big arena and they'll fill it up for Big 12 games. So like that's that's a positive. And you know, UCF is UCF. Like we don't have to lie to each other. That that's not uh, still, his, but it's in Parish, Florida, so much talent, humongous state school. So yes. there's still a lot of growth potential there. Yeah, there's growth potential there. I, I think from a men's basketball perspective, what's exiting the Big 12, take that under consideration, what the Big 12 is replacing it with, I think you can reasonably argue, strictly in the sport of men's basketball, just as good, maybe better. So I think if you acknowledge the Big 12 more often than not over the past decade has been the best league in the country, and we're and then acknowledge that it's going to be, in theory, just as good, perhaps better, the Big 12 might be the right answer to the question. If if you were to make me choose between the team, the, the leagues rather, that finish first and second, I think I'd take the SEC over the Big Ten. Sell me. Okay. Class of 2022. Four of the top six recruiting classes in the country. So the, these are, are, are the classes that are about to be freshmen in college. Four of the top six are SEC schools. Top 25 and one right now. Seven. If you count Texas, I'm, I'm including future SEC member Texas in this. Um, there's seven either current SEC or future SEC schools in the top 25 and one. That's more than any other league. I, I just think if you if you look at the natural recruiting base of 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 you know SEC schools and the history of the programs, and m- more than that, the current state of the programs, how much they're spending on coaches how much investing in in everything facilities everywhere except kentucky of course (laughs) i'm joking i know i was gonna just go roll with it deadpan just roll with it um I, i just think that's set up to be just an absolute monster and and i get it people you know i was a little surprised the big 10 got 41 percent of the vote because I, I understand where that comes from, but you can't get away from this fact. You're going to say it, aren't you? 
even yeah. once you put UCLA and USC into the Big Ten, tell me the last time the Big Ten won a national championship. 2000 Michigan State. Yeah, that's right. I know. That um, was not a trivia time. I know, I, but that's that's just become the thing attached to this conference there. Uh, the Big Ten, I think I got a couple of quotes I'll share here from coaches as well in both these leagues in just a second. But the Big Ten won based on the conversations I had. It won because the SEC coaches definitely got plenty of respect too. But for you know, the coaching, the way that uh, the team, this is from now again, we talked to literally. Everyone from Hall of Fame head coaches to the second assistant in a one bid league. So we and they're all over the country. More more than two dozen leagues were represented. So we really try and get as much of a fair representative sample size of the profession as we can. And the coaches I was talking to were saying the the coaching style, how they run their stuff in the Big Ten. It's I don't know. It's considered as respected as maybe any league in the country. There's that. There are the venues. There are the fact that you bring UCLA in. You've got a lot of very uh, powerful programs with that. I think the, all those things kind of added onto it. But I will say, in talking to the coaches about this, um, a couple coaches are like, "Well, there's not going to be. Is there even going to be a Pac-12 in three years?" I actually think I, now. I said that there. Uh, my guess was that there would be when we did this thought exercise six weeks ago on the podcast and all the conference realignment. I think the college football playoff 12-team format with six automatic bids will protect and ensure that we have a Pac-12 and a Big 12 going forward and all that stuff. So that's the good news is that these conferences from from men's basketball standpoint, let alone football and everything else, they're going to they're still going to be there. If you have a seat at the table in the college football playoff, there's no reason to dissolve and whatnot. It doesn't mean there still won't be more realignment, but the, for the purposes of this question, I, I put forth to these coaches, all right, let's just assume no more realignment, just thought experiment here. And, and when we look up in five years, like what's the conference you think is going to be most likely to be the best in the Big Ten one because of that. But to your SEC point, there's a couple quotes from these coaches. One said, it's not close in my opinion. They already are heading in that direction with the addition of Texas and Oklahoma and can see a bigger investment that's been made over the past few years starting to pay off. I agree with that. Dan Leibovitz has been overseeing men's basketball in the SEC for the past few years. Undeniably, the conference has put more of an emphasis on a lot of factors in its basketball product. And that is clearly paying off. They just agreed recently did the sec to a scheduling analytics initiative with HD intelligence, which I've written about previously at cbsports.com. like really good signs about trying to care about the details to do the most you possibly can to make your league the best you possibly can to your point about the talent parish. Another coach said, quote, the sec recruiting wise, the last five years is out recruiting everyone in the country Duke and UNC are getting their guys, but there's seven teams in the SEC getting high four stars and five stars. The talent is ridiculous in the league. A lot of NBA players in the SEC every year. One more. SEC, just in terms of their aggressiveness in recruiting with NIL, that combined with already natural athleticism, physically, top to bottom, even a team that's not as skilled, watching them play, that's a different kind of athlete. When they have football-type athletes that play basketball, that's difference-making. That discrepancy is there, and it's really hard. As a mid-major coach, we play against better Big 12 teams than the SEC, but the SEC uh, is more intimidating because of that athletic discrepancy. So I get the SEC point. I could certainly be sold on it among the top two. I'd still pick with Big 12. I think that SEC Big 10 race is going to be something to keep an eye on, not just in basketball. People also compare it in football because they're the same. The leagues are going to be the same size with 16 teams, provided no more expansion, obviously. And the realignment is going to happen basically at the same time. Oklahoma, Texas, let's weigh that against what UCLA and USC are bringing to the Big Ten. Yeah, so I would probably rank them going forward, either Big 12 or SEC, but probably Big 12-1, SEC-2, Big Ten-3. But I think we'll agree on this, and then we can move on. 
those are the top three, right? They are the top three. A um, couple coaches voted. You know, we can move on here because we got a, a few things to get to. A um, couple vote coaches that voted for the ACC said this will cycle back. You know, come back to me in four years, and per, as long as Hubert and John have really hit at their schools, and you know, at the coaches surmising that Beheim wouldn't be there, Syracuse is like you know not you know, in a relevant program. He's like, I don't know. There's something about the ACC and the tradition and history there. They, that league cares inherently more about its basketball product than its football product. Um, so I think that, you know, as co- that coach was saying it particularly, I thought it would come back. Um, but I would go big 12, big 10 sec. So we'd flip two, three. I think it's a close race though. I would go, I guess I, I can absolutely ACC. envision a scenario where we look up in three years and John's got Duke at the tip top of the sport. Hubert's got Carolina, Carolina at the tip top yeah. of the sport. And, and Tony Bennett has got Virginia operating. Precisely. Yeah, I, I could. See I don't want to. In fact, I'm not. Yeah, I don't even want to put the ACC like a strong four. I, I, I think the ACC can still be there. And the Big East, I don't even think we would be that far behind, particularly if it stays at 11 or. You know, if it were to go to 12 and whatever, they get Gonzaga. I don't think that's happening. But whatever, like the, the Big East could actually become Big 12 light in that conference size could help it from a rankings and rating standpoint because there might, you know, you might only have one or two teams bringing you down. I could see, and the Big East is all in on basketball. I I, I don't put it out of the realm of possibility. Now, you, Neptune's got to hit it big at Villanova, and like Hurley's got to get UConn to that one more notch up, you know, close to Calhoun level. Um, uh, a fascinating conversation. Sorry to the Pac-12. Uh, no votes and no even, at least on my end, no coaches even being like, where do I want to put the Pac-12? It's just not considered. Uh, it's considered, you know, a, a definitive six in this conversation going forward. We'll continue discussing our Candy Coaches series here in just a second. But first, a word from our partners. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. So after we ask coaches what's going to be the best league going for, we ask them who's going to be the best player in college basketball this season. And somewhat surprisingly, I guess, if only because the consensus reigning national player of the year is back in college. I was a little surprised that Drew Timmy um, was the leading vote getter. He got 43.9% of the vote, followed by Oscar Shibwe at 33.7, and then Armando Baycott at 10.2. If I were voting, I would vote for Shibwe just because logically it, it makes sense. He was the best player in the country last season, clearly. He's back in school, preseason top five team. That's got to be the guy. But that said, I don't think the coaches who voted Timmy are necessarily wrong because part of the argument would be 
He's been a, a consensus All-American two straight years. He's going to be better than ever, and he's not going to be sharing a front court with Chet Holmgren. Um, he's going to be a statistical monster, and on a, you know a, on a, a team that is you know uh, in the betting markets co-favorites with Houston to win the national championship. I would have voted Sheepway, but I don't think it's crazy to vote Timmy. And and honestly, I don't I don't think it's crazy to vote Baycott because we talked about this on the North Carolina podcast in the summer shoot around Oscar won player of the year, largely because like the statistics were just overwhelming, but they weren't that much better than Armando Baycott, which I, I, I think I had forgotten as, as that last season got away from us a little bit. Yeah. Those three, I figured were going to be the three. I did think Sheboy was going to win. Um, so how about this a little behind the, the scenes of building this, Parish, and I haven't told Paris this yet. Like my first, let's call it my first, like twenty-two or twenty-three uh, coaches I went to, and you know, asked all these at once. My man, it was like Timmy sixteen, Sheboy four, Baycott one, Sasser one. Like, like Timmy's lead was outrageous to start, and I, at one point I was like, "Is Drew Timmy going to get like a sixty-five percent return and beat the national player of the year?" Because this is going to be insane. This this uh, this will actually be a terrible look for coaches if this happens. Now, eventually, it really is a testament to why, you know, I'm insistent on getting you know in the ballpark of a hundred coaches every year. Because if we had stopped at sixty, the the number would have been different. It wouldn't. It would have been an even greater discrepancy. So thankfully, and you got more on the Sheboy side than I did with Timmy. Right. And it was you know a more representative sample size there. But early on, Timmy was out in front and lapping the field. And then eventually uh, it changed up and she closed the gap as he should. Timmy won this last year, by the way, um, with, uh, with 45% of the vote. So two consecutive seasons, we ask this question every single year. Um, Timmy has won this and he is the first person in candidate coach's history. Now, normally the best pick, the guys picked to be the best player is usually an outgoing senior who's had a long established career or, uh, you know, the rare returning sophomore that, you know, it's going to be an NBA pick. It just, you know, normally don't get the same guy. Brunson was in, in the running here, but he didn't win it two years in a row. So Timmy's the first one to ever win back to back years when this poll question, uh, but because Gonzaga projects slightly, 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 slightly better than Kentucky. Um, Timmy won't have Holmgren. Timmy's more offensive oriented. Cause once I got to that level Paris of when like Timmy was up like 15 votes on Sheboy on my end, I asked a few coaches who voted for Timmy. I was like, all right, just so at, now that you voted, just to let you know, like Timmy's like at the moment, he's really like dominating this poll right now. Why did you vote Timmy? And why do you think a lot of other coaches are voting Timmy instead of the reigning national player of the year at Kentucky? And uh, a few coaches told me the biggest reason why is Timmy will have the ball in his hands more. He's way more offensively dynamic. He's one of the best post players working with his feet around the rim. They think he's going to average better than 20 and 10 this season, and the numbers are just going to be there, and Gonzaga should be a top-10 team most of the season, even if it takes a loss or two in non-conference. They just don't think Gonzaga's going to fall out of that picture. And then so long as Timmy just you know, kicks ass in the WCC, there's just not going to be a lot to bring him back down once they get into league play. Now, if Baycott or Shibwe 
I think Trace Jackson Davis is a great dark horse for National Player of the Year. Marcus Sasser at Houston obviously got multiple votes there. Jaime Jaquez shouts to him. Had a couple of coaches like really go 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 all in on Jaquez, saying it's going to be like the he, one coach said we're going to be talking about him in the middle of December and he's going to be the best player in the country at that point. Like I like when coaches come with unconventional nominees and they give me, you know, some conviction with it. So we'll see if that coach is right or not. And that coach is based in the Midwest. He's not a Pac-12 coach. And I don't even know if that coach has ever faced uh, Jaime Jaquez and, and coached against him. Um, but the point on, on Timmy is an interesting one. If Gonzaga remains top 10 level into January, doesn't fall out of that spot, and Timmy's stats are that good, there's real, real reason to believe that they would drop down once he's playing inferior competition and his lead might just be big enough. So those are the reasons why I, too, was surprised. I thought Shibwe would win this narrowly. It wasn't the case there. Timmy with room to spare. And then Baycott, who I actually believe should have received more of the vote. And to UNC fans listening, uh, I know you believe that as well. He's certainly there. I would just keep in mind, we just talked about this on our UNC pod, Caleb Love. I think has all American potential and I still like, I, you know, shouts to leak and all that, but I, I, I think RJ Davis can really take another big step this year. They might not to say that Timmy and Sheway don't have talent with them. They do, but it almost feels like Carolina might have guys kind of pulling away at production here and there pulling votes away. So that's why I don't know if Baycott is as likely as Sheway or Timmy. The one thing working against Timmy would be not the one thing, but among the things to the extent that anything works against him, he's going to be awesome. Is that, um, and I had a couple of coaches mention this to me, like, does he just get bored in, in the WCC? And, and, and so much of this, not bored to where he like, you know, it's just, he's going to have a lot of games where they're favored by 17 points and, and, and they're up by 20. And does his minutes per game, like so much of this, perhaps uh, inappropriately, but so much of this comes down to like points per game and rebounds per game. You know, people don't get caught up. Like you ain't watching a game on, on CBS and they're, they're talking about points per minute and efficiency numbers too often. Um, they should, Timmy, but we're not there yet. We're not there yet. Oscar played roughly 32 minutes per game last season. Baycott played roughly 32 minutes per game last season. Drew Timmy played 28. And that's largely because we're up 25 with 11 minutes to go or, or, or we're up 17 with four minutes to go. That That's actually like a lot of Gonzaga games. We're up 20 with four minutes to go. Drew Timmy's on the bench for the final four minutes. North Carolina's in a four point game with four minutes to go. Baycott's closing that. Um, Sheepway is closing that. And so on average, they're, they're on the court four more minutes per game than, than Drew Timmy. And that gives them an opportunity at least to have better per game numbers. And when casual fans are just looking at it, well, this guy averages three more points per game and two more rebounds per game. He must have be having the better year. That might not necessarily be true, but it, it can look true to people who some people who vote on these types of things. But let me ask you this. Okay. I give you Drew Timmy, Oscar Shibway, Armando Baycott, National Player of the Year, or the field. You're I'm taking, taking those three. That, I'm taking those three. I have to. I have to. Don't you? Probably, but like I could see Marcus Sasser averaging 21 points per game for a Houston team that's ranked number one in the country. Mm-hmm. Yeah, ball in his ball in his hands more as a guard. I like that question. Not a take a no and add, let's let's 
readdress that when we basically hit the first week of the season and get us on the record again. But I would take those three. It's hard not to because you've got three centerpiece big men for three teams that will that will be projected to be in the national championship conversation at the start of the season. So I will take those three. But my question to you before we go on to the next one. So here's the other guys that received one vote. Max Asmus, Oral Roberts, Shouts to whatever coach gave you. I did not get that. Was that was a coach that whatever coach gave you Max Aceman as the best player? God bless their heart. Hunter Dickinson, Michigan. I won't Keontae, say what. I'm not going to say who it was. You can't. I know. Uh, Hunter Hunter Dickinson. It better not. By the way, I did not allow play coaches to vote for their own players. So I'm hoping it was not Mister uh, Mister Mills at Oral Roberts. Um, Hunter Dickinson of Michigan. Keontae George at Baylor, Derek Lively at Duke, Caleb Love at North Carolina, and Nick Smith at Arkansas. Those are players that only receive one vote. Those guys only receive one vote. Of the names in that group, which one do you give the best chance at being National Player of the Year? Nick Nick Smith. Yeah, you're in on... A lot of people are in on Nick Smith. Okay. And he's going to be fun. Like, if he's the best player on an Arkansas team that's ranked in the top five and a projected top three pick in the NBA draft, I could see that. Give me Keontae George because I think Baylor has a good shot at winning the Big 12. You win the Big 12, you're a one seed. And I think he's going to be the best freshman in Baylor history. So I I will go Keontae George. Of the ones that got just a single vote, he's my pick. But both, you and I both picked a freshman there. Uh, I'm also huge on Lively, but we got a lot of young talent around him. Let's just see. Uh, let's see what happens with Duke there. But I was just curious on uh, on your thoughts on that one. I could see. I can't wait to see Arkansas. Arkansas is going to be a ton of fun. In fact, we'll get to uh, we'll get to uh, the Hogs here um, in uh, in just a minute. I have another thought on them. But yeah, no, uh, I would I would go Keontae, but a couple of freshmen there, and I think what we got twelve players total that received a vote, and uh, and Timmy runs away with it. Rico Gathers is the best freshman in Baylor history. Uh, I don't know about that. I just Keontae to, George is going to is going to take that mantle, my friend. I just wanted to say Rico Gathers uh, as you should, as you should. I love him. Next question we asked: Best hire? Who was the best hire of the 2022 off season? And the leading vote getter. And let me be clear: I believe in this guy. I think he's going to be good. Are you I did taking oh, that's what's this setup about then? No, it's not a setup at all. I'm saying I believe that this guy's going to be good. I love him. I was surprised that he was the leading vote getter. The leading vote getter was Shaheen Holloway uh, at Seton Hall, 15%, followed by Sean Miller at 13%, Kevin Willard at 12%, and then John Shire at 10%. Let me expand on that thought. I I assumed that the, the leading vote getter would either be John Shire. If only because he's already out recruited the country two years in a row. <laughs> he's got the number one class in 2022, the number one class in 2023. So I thought you could just say, if the guy's going to get the best players in the country every year, he's probably going to be all right. I'll go with John Shire. Um, and if not John Shire, I thought it would be Sean Miller or Thad Mata because they are both uh, proven, undeniable winners at at the high major level. And in Sean's case, and Xavier is high major, um, but like, you know, it, it, Sean's one big at Xavier. He's one big at a bigger school. I understand the, 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 I understand that Arizona's facing you know, punishment for rules violations. I got it. But in, 
I'd be interested to hear the feedback you got on this. I think coaches know that that Arizona program was running wild. They still largely believe Sean Miller is really good. That that's the feedback I got at least. Sometimes you you'll have coaches whose programs were caught cheating. Let's just call it what it is, cheating, and they'll go, "Yeah, that guy is a cheater. That's how he won." I don't really get that with Sean too much. I, I get, yeah, they were running a dirty program in Arizona, but Sean's really good. That that's the feedback I mostly got. I thought Sean Miller would win this when we uh, we asked. This is another one we ask every year. We had 19 coaches get at least one vote there. But yes, as you said, Holloway wins. Miller, Kevin Willard, Shire, and Mata and Jerome Tang were tied uh, for fifth overall on our voting there. And we can get to a few other names as well. Um, yeah, no, Miller, uh, Miller, guys who voted. I had, I think this might have, you wrote this one. So I think you included this quote. But one coach is like, man. The stuff at Arizona really bothers me a lot, um, but I have to vote for Sean Miller because I believe he is the best actual coach of, the, of, any, right. of any coach that was hired. Of the, that, you know, that, that's a unique thing. Usually when we're talking about guys whose programs, and I'm being real careful, careful here not to say yeah. Sean Miller was a cheater. His program was cheating. Reasonable people can can disagree on what his role was, if, it, if, if he even had a role in any of that. But his program was cheating. And typically what you'll hear from other coaches are, well, of course that guy won. You, you know what he was doing. That, that's usually what you're going to hear about coaches who were running programs like the Arizona program was run. And yet with Sean, I'm, I'm just speaking, I, matter of fact, I don't really hear a lot of that. They, they, they go, yeah, of course they were running wild at Arizona, but that guy's really good. He's going he's gonna to kill it at Xavier like he killed it at Xavier before. Yeah, no, there was a there was a, a lot of that there. Holloway winning uh, is fascinating. A couple couple coaches who didn't vote for so the way some of this goes sometimes with when I'm interviewing is uh, if I'm doing over the phone, they'll give me all their answers. I'll go question by question, and then uh, with a couple of coaches, they might have given me that mod or Kenny Payne or Frank Martin, and then I'll be like, all right, at this point, it's uh, it's, it's you know, it's it's Holloway that's winning, and they're like, Holloway, interesting. It's like I like that. Some coaches were like, I like that higher, but if he only beat Kentucky, do you think he would be winning the poll? Not even, said, yeah, but not even a close. So. Not even close. Yeah. No, no, but he did, but he did get. It's one of those things where he did win though. Yeah, got him. He got freaking St. Peter's to the Elite Eight. So and and he also took St. Peter's. Like they finished top three in their league three straight years. Under yes. him, like he's, I think he's good. I think he's going to be yeah, really yeah. good there. I, like he, I'm a believer yeah. in Shaheen Holloway. I am surprised he was a leading vote getter, yeah, but I'm a believer had, yeah. in him. And to be clear, yeah, just you know, a, a lot of people that might have become familiar with Shaheen, Shaheen Holloway. Period. Uh, they didn't watch him play at Seton Hall or anything like that. He had a very good reputation in the MAC as a coach for a few years running now. So, um, no, no one saw one of the best Cinderella runs in the history of the event happening under his watch. But uh, for him, and a lot of it was a couple coaches who voted for him that I talked to. They're like, "This is the best fit." I understand Sean's going back to Xavier, uh, but Shaheen Holloway has coached in that state, played at that school, coached at that school. He knows the area. This is the best fit. He is the perfect that that is the job for him. And if there was ever going to be a guy that could take it over from Kevin Willard and continue to succeed, it's him. Interestingly enough, Seton Hall represent represent right here with one and three outgoing Kevin Willard, who left for Maryland. Him finishing three was actually surprising to me. I, I not that he doesn't deserve to be top three. Uh, I would have said my prediction going in. 
I would have said Miller one, Mata two. I don't know if I would have said Shire three because he hasn't coached a game yet. I probably would have said, oh man, I would have gone Miller, Mata, Frank Martin probably would have been my one, two, three prediction. Frank Martin actually finished seventh uh, in our voting. Kenny Payne was eighth. Then Dennis Gates and Chris Jans and Mike White rounded out the rest of the uh, the top end of the poll there. Uh, but the, my biggest takeaway from this, Paris, is I kind of tallied the votes, talked to the coaches, re- looked at the, the carousel hiring again. This this poll is representative of, of, of what it should be. I mean, there's so many names here that are intriguing and that you can see succeeding. Now, not all of them will. No, none of them ever do. We never have a 90% success rate at the power conference level in a given year of coaching carousel hires. But you can make a case for Holloway as you can for Shire, as you can for Tang, as you can for Gates, as you can for Mike White at Georgia. I mean, Mike White was a successful coach at Florida. He got, what, two, three votes overall. But, you know, for Georgia, you look at its history. It's, it would not be surprising if we look up in five years and we say, look at Mike White. He's been a top three successful coach in the 2022 hiring class at the power conference level. He basically was able to replicate what he did at Florida, but at Georgia, where the bar to clear is so much lower. I could easily see that, but Mike White wasn't wasn't trendy. I was a little surprised Todd Golden didn't get more run, only because he gets a, he gets a lot of pub. But there are I think there are a few Golden skeptics in terms of He's never been a head coach at this level. You know, he's still pretty young. He's going into the SEC. There's a lot. There's a lot there. Uh, we'll we'll see. But it was it was enlightening, and it's always intriguing to see what coaches think about their uh, their brethren. And I force them to pick to pick one because a lot of coaches sometimes will be like, I, I want to pick some. And I personally, I don't let if a, if I know a coach has worked with another guy. Like I didn't do. I just I didn't interview Scott Drew for this. All right, but if I did. Um, and maybe you did, maybe, maybe you didn't, but if I did, I wouldn't let Scott vote for Jerome because that's, you know, it's, it's, it's a conflict of interest. So I'd be like, I know Jerome would be your pick, but if it's not Jerome who, so I try and avoid conflicts of interest where I can there. And so sometimes that might, uh, slightly impact the vote one way or the other. I don't want to say who I talked to and who I didn't, but I will say is that I do not put any restrictions on anybody. So if I ask you what league do you think is going to be best going forward? If you say your own league, that's a vote. That, that I allowed. Yeah, that I that I allowed. But um, if you say your own player yeah. for best player, I allow that. All right. So and if you say <laughs> one of your former assistants as the best hire, I allow that. It's fair. It is interesting because I, I, I was surprised we got this many different answers. 19. So, yeah, it's a lot of answers. I ch- and normally like coaches skew power conference, but if they are dead set, I mean, there's a top 20 well-known, top 25 well-known head coach in the sport who gave me Bart Lundy at Milwaukee. <laughs> I was like, all right. Yeah. yeah we'll roll with Bart put, Lundy. We're going to put it down. Yep, exactly. <laughs> some, of the, some of the answers you got, I had to Google. Like, all right, where is this guy coach at? <laughs> <laughs> You could just have brought up my carousel post. <laughs> it would have been a lot faster. I got it. I got I got it all figured out. Um, like some guy was yelling at me on Twitter, like, how could you think this guy's gonna be better than this other guy? I'm like, I don't think anything. I, I oh, asked the question. Yeah. I asked the question. We're just asking the questions. We're just the, asking the, fans the, the fans are furious over this like 
Allen Fieldhouse winning best home court thing. They're literally the coach's opinion. What do you want and, from me? And, and by the way, it's the right opinion. How could you be furious it about is, that? It, oh, but the, our it, Arkansas fans are furious that they weren't like more well represented. I'm like, I don't know what to tell you. Just don't know what to tell you. I'm I not disagreeing Bud, with you. I love Bud Walton Arena, but Allen Fieldhouse is Allen Fieldhouse. Bud Walton Arena, only arena I've ever had to get up from courtside to go throw up in the bathroom yeah, there during we go. the game. Who doesn't threw, know that, though? Threw up during a game. Food poisoning. What game? Uh, it was a Memphis-Arkansas game know. when I was the beat writer oh, okay. a million years ago. Had to get up and go to the bathroom, then throw up. I threw up at Bud Walton Arena. It's a rough I don't rough know what spot. you've ever done in Bud Walton Arena, but I've thrown up there. I have never. I need to amend this as quickly as possible. Hopefully this season I have yet to step foot inside the state of Arkansas. Oh, it's great. I have never been to Arkansas at all. I was in Arkansas last weekend. Excellent. We went to Heber Springs. Sounds like a good time. Airbnb to house. Our family, two other families. Right there went on out, a lake, I assume. Right there on a lake. Went out on a, on the boat a couple of days. It was wild. Live. Like we were, we were Did you get on the wakeboard? No, we had we just tube with the little kids. We had tubes. You get on the tube? I <laughs> you ready for this? Literally never got in the lake. You're ridiculous. I'm, 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 I'm angry at that response. We were on you the lake. You never got in the lake. Literally never got in the lake. Why? We were on. I don't have any interest in getting in water. I just like looking at uh, water and being on water. Outrageous. You know how to swim? Yeah, of course I know how to swim. Okay, well, you know how to swim. It's warm out in the south in the summer, and you're not jumping into a lake. Literally never even put my foot Unacceptable. in the water. Unacceptable. When I had this to, is you, not okay. This is not okay. You know, some people like over a five hour boat ride, they'll like, uh, they're like, they'll jump in if only to use the bathroom. Also borderline, not okay. I, well, where, I, what are you supposed to do on a, like I'm being, what are you supposed to do in a lake? Where are you supposed to be? I, I would just, I'd get the boat over to the shore, jump in and, and swim 15 feet to the shore and get it done in the, in nature. Oh no, you get out and yeah, be, right. be in the water. I understand. I'm not going to, it's, it's not a pool. So I, I get you. I would I, just stand on the side of the no. boat. Okay. And whip it out. You know what my friend told me? I said, uh, I said, you th- I said, dude, there's boats over there. Do you think I can, you think I can pee right here? He said, can you see their nose? I said, no. He said, then they can't see your ding away. I said, that's, that's good. That's, that's good. Heck of a that's, size comparison there, by the way. So, okay. I said, that's good. That's a, that's actually a good, that's a good rule of thumb. If you can't see their the nose, they can't see. The rule of nose is what it is. They can't yes. see. They can't see your dingling. I said, okay, I'm going to use the bathroom then. How many hours are you on this boat and not getting into the water? Five hours a day. We rented a boat for five this, hours a day. No. Never got in the water, but I was. It was wild because on Saturday we were out there, it's Heber Springs, Arkansas, and I said, man, the the lake is empty. It's a holiday weekend. I'm surprised more people aren't out here. And then I was like, oh well, Arkansas is playing Cincinnati right now in football. Yeah. The entire state's in Fayetteville. <laughs> we had a good, good time. Point. You should get to Arkansas sometime. Going to try. What's our last question? One last thing on this, just to point out okay. how the coaches know what they're talking about, but it doesn't mean they're right. Last year, we asked this question. Tommy Lloyd, who led Arizona to a Pac-12 title and a one seed in the tournament, got less than 3% of the vote. And Hubert Davis also, uh, who coached in the title game, got less than 3% of the vote. Okay. Uh, a few years ago, we asked this question. You know who the leading vote-getter was? Fred, Fred Hoiberg. Who is still looking for his first 11-win season at Nebraska. He's got a, The problem is he's, he coaches at Pinnacle Bank, so we can't hold that against him. Eventually, it, that place is going to get tough to walk into. 
eventually. It's going to get tough to walk into. He got more votes. Fred did. Um, and I didn't think this was wrong, by the way. I didn't think this was wrong. But, like, he got more votes than Eric Musselman in Arkansas. Must have been a back-to-back lead dates. And he got more votes than Mick Cronin, who almost immediately established himself as the best coach in UCLA history. Right away. Also, several years back, when Indiana hired Archie Miller, was he the leading vote getter? I would think he was the leading vote getter. And yet, I don't have that in front of me, but yeah. And and he got like a couple of votes, maybe one vote this year at Rhode Island. So interesting yeah. how quickly things can flip on you, you know? That's true. I think that I think Archie at Rhode Island's a good fit. But yeah, uh good for good for the uh Big East. Got a lot of you can see Thad, Shaheen, Sean, three of the top five, and then yeah, eight ten between Fran Dunphy got about so now they're sitting head coach in a power conference, gave Fran Dunphy a vote. I was like, all right, let's I mean, shouts to Fran, I guess. That's your best That's your best hire. He hired himself, by the way. He was the AD. I love it. He's like, I'm just taking this. I love it. I love Fran Dunphy. Oh, Fran's the man. Don't get me wrong. But I can't list him among the top five hires in this year's cycle. I got votes for Fran. So we got two. I got one. Yeah, I got yeah, one that's... too then. Yeah. See, I can see your nose right now, so it would be totally inappropriate for me to oh, urinate, urinate no, at this moment. It's, it's inappropriate to be on a boat in the summer for five hours and not jump into a lake, provided the lake is healthy to swim in. So oh, it's, it's perfectly healthy. It's a nice lake. It's a nice lake. It's like, that's like something out of curb, like a thing Larry David would do. He'd like go on a boat, and they'd be like, let's just jump in the lake. He's like, ah. <laughs> no, seriously, like it's, it's 86 degrees outside. You know, we're going to be on this for the next four hours. Like, I'm good. I'm, I'm actually, I'm good. That I was, was you. good. Yeah. I had no, I didn't need to get in the lake. I, w- I wasn't against getting the lake. If somebody was like, please, please get in the lake. I'd have been like, okay, I can do it. I'm making dinner six hours from now. It's just going to pop my head and be like, why didn't Paris just jump in the water? I don't, st- I don't get it. <laughs> People will side with me on this, by the way. This is, that's unserious boat behavior. Unserious boat behavior. I'm okay with it. It's Shot fine. clock. Let's get, get to it. We asked coaches, roughly 100. Um, should we stick at a 30-second shot clock or go to a 24-second shot clock? And you actually LOL'd at this because the way this works is Norlander asked his his group of coaches, and I ask mine. And, and then, like, when I'm writing the post, I'll say, yo, send me your results and send me your best quotes and vice versa. So he's got his. And you text me the other day. You're like, hey, send me your shot clock stuff. I'm like, I'm on the golf course. I'm I'm, I'm busy <laughs> bogeying right now. I, 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 hey, oh, hey, let, let me finish three putting right now. Oh, there we go. That's right. It's so frustrating. Yeah. I don't know why I'm not good at anything. It's just frustrating. You got to loosen the muscles in the water. Helps the golf game. I was so sure that I was about to get good at golf. Just can't. I can't do it. So I was like, I'm on the golf course. I'll send them to you when I get done with the golf course. So then I send you my results, and it added up to like literally 50-50. So coaches, uh, some guys feel strongly about this, whether it should be 24 or 30, but there is not a consensus on the type of shot clock we should have in college basketball. Uh, You wrote the post, so I'll let you explain. Because I think some people might go, okay, what what what's what are the what are the reasons we want we we want to stay at thirty, and what are the reasons we might want to go to twenty four? So you walk us through that. 
Okay, so this has been a discussion. Going to 24 has been a discussion in college basketball for more than a decade. It has intensified uh, in the past, you know, eight to 10 years. There was, if you're watching on YouTube, hey, you can, YouTube. There we go. Hey, you can read some of the quotes uh, from the story. I, I put more quotes in here than Paris could ever dream of because the response from coaches on this was so impassioned, particularly for ones that want to stick at 30. When the when the clock was at 35, they were debating to go to drop to 30 or 24 or to go to 24 and 30 was almost like a compromise with it. 24-second shot clock is not just the NBA. It's international ball. It's FIBA. Um, when we go and see the Peach Jam, it's 24 seconds is there. There is no shot clock in high school, but the thought is get possessions up, get games to be more likely to finish in the 70s or 80s, and just, you know, uh, adapt to the game the way that it's played around the world. And in doing so, better help college players that are on track to either definitely be NBA players or in that window where they could be. And maybe a 24 second shot clock would help them overall. Let's just get in there. Let's just let's play in that play in that way and then and, and upgrade the clock once and for all. There was no shot clock in men's college basketball until the 1980s. And it started with a 45 second shot clock before it was trimmed down to 35 for better part of two decades. And then we dropped down to 30 back in the, in the 2015, 2016 season. I believe this is the first question we've ever had exactly a 50, 50 split. Now, some years we wind up with an odd number of, of coaches we talk to. So it's, it's, it can't be 50, 50. This one was exactly uh, 50% on one side, 50% on the other. If not, I, I feel like in the past two years, we had one that was like literally 51-49. So really, really close. But if you are a proponent of 24 seconds, the good news is the coaching fraternity is moving in your direction. 10 years ago, if we had asked this question, this is the 10th year that we've done this this series. If we had asked this in year one, uh, I'm highly confident that if we said, and at that time it was the 35-second th- shot clock. So if we had said, what do you want the shot clock to be? 35, 30, or 24? Highly confident that if we'd asked it 10 years ago, 24 wouldn't have gotten more than 15% of the vote, if that. Um, but because this has become more of a talking point every year on the Rules Oversight Committee, um, and there's more of a push, and frankly, commentators, Fran, the, the reason why we even included this question uh, was because Fran Fraschilla tweeted about this like kind of out of the blue a month ago, and the tweet gained a lot of traction among coaches People, you know, uh, in in college basketball media, quote tweeting, talk tweeting back at Fran. Uh, Jay Billis has been a proponent for 24 seconds for a long time. I was tweeting back and forth, or tw- texting back and forth with Jay on Thursday about this. Um, and you know, Jay maintains that the arguments against going to 24 are the same arguments that were against going to 30 or whatever. That's right. Um, I I'm not all the way there on that. Uh, this is why, as I wrote in the story. I'm actually ambivalent on this. I, I you know, it, it doesn't make for a, a spicy take, but my, but my take is if you tell me college basketball is going to be at 30 seconds for the remainder of my life, I'm totally fine with it. It doesn't bother me. If you told me next season, we'll go to 24. I'd be like, all right, that's pretty cool. Let's see how it goes. I'm good with either. It does not bother me. I, I, I don't mind w- whatever way, but the proponents of 30 insist. And I think they've got a point uh, and we can't know until we get there. There's no shot clock in high school. The NBA has guys minimally four, normally five on the floor who are capable of getting their own shot, creating their own shot, shooting from beyond eight feet, beyond 15 feet, 
college basketball does not in most with most teams. And because high school players don't play with a shot clock, the jump from nothing to 30 even takes a little bit of time getting used to. And I talked to four college basketball officials who believe that going to 24 would lead to a really rough period, like multiple years. One official said, we'd, we'd go down in points per game. You'd have more possessions. The shooting would be much worse. And you'd lose three, four, maybe five points per game on average, which is like a very drastic drop there. I don't know. Um, I don't I'm think we'd lose points per game. I think the efficiency numbers might go down. Efficiency would go down. Turnovers would go up. There's just no doubt yeah, about it. I, I mean, agree with you, that. But I think, I, I, I think yeah. because of the, uh, the extra possessions, we would get just raw. We'd get more points. I think I believe that the change from 35 to 30 is not nearly as drastic. Like when you go from 30 to 24, and if you go 24, maybe you go from 10 to eight seconds in the backcourt. And then as one coach told me, like it's effectively like a 16 second shot clock. Like that is pretty quick to start running your stuff. Not to say that coaches wouldn't eventually adapt, that players wouldn't adapt. Um, I'd be fine with it, but like do call it like, I think a lot of college basketball fans like 30. I don't know if you go to 24, you're pushing people away. I don't know if 24 makes the game more popular. What's your take on the responses we got and where you'd like to see it? Or if, or if you're kind of like me and you're like, I'm good with where we're at and I'd be fine if we changed it. This is not, if you told me to list five things I'd like to see changed in college basketball, I don't think this would make the list. Um, but but I would prefer 24 to 30. The argument for 30 that I can sort of nod along with and be like, yeah, I see, is that, and I heard this from a, a few coaches, um, with, with 30, you've got a little more room for different styles and, and, and the different styles, that is what makes college basketball in part. It's one of the good things about college basketball. Some coaches, some coaches said. And so if you, if you go down to 24, it, it eliminates some of the ways teams can play at this level. It's kind of cool that Virginia and Gonzaga play the same sport, but play it, dramatically differently and if you the 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 lower you go with the shot clock the less that's going to be a thing in the sport and i i get that that doesn't make me say okay yeah definitely we got to stay at 30 then but i i respect that opinion and i understand that opinion i would still like to go to 24 and it's not because of like because I heard some of this too. Like you know, it helps prepare people for the NBA. I don't care about preparing people for the NBA as it as it pertains to putting rules in place. Like if you're a college basketball coach, I assume you want to prepare people for the NBA. But <laughs> the, the overwhelming majority of college basketball players are not going to the 99%. NBA. Ninety nine percent. I agree yeah. with that entirely. Like, yeah, most of them are not going to the NBA. But I, uh, yeah, I don't care about you know. Let's let's put this rule in so it matches the NBA because it'll help prepare people for the NBA. Like that should not be a priority. Um, but I do like, I like the game faster, you know? And, yeah. and I, I get that, you know, 24 seconds, you more or less got a 16 seconds to get into your stuff. I got that. But like, I don't know, give me a, give me a high ball screen and let's go. And, and, and I, I like, yeah. I, I want more possessions. I like a faster game. If I had to pick, I'd go to 24, but it's not something I'm going to fist fight anybody over. If you made me pick, if you made me, I'd say stick at 30 because of the variety of styles. Coaches believe 30 allows for more opportunity for more upsets, which is a good thing. At least I think it's a good thing. Um, if you made, but I would not resist 24 
whatsoever. I, you know, one coach said, listen, if you go to 24, like, it's just the game is going to like, there's so much like, uh, you know, high pick and roll in the NBA. And that's that. And then another coach made a great point. He's like, listen, there are a lot of bad shots taking the NBA. Those guys are elite at making bad shots. College basketball is not. So you're going to get like a lot of missed shots. And is that ultimately a better thing? Are you, you know, from a, from a television or, you know, cosmetic standpoint, are you actually helping the game if you're going to reduce field goal percentage uh, by this amount and, and you know it's and there are you know there are still people that are cynical over whether or not that would actually happen again we won't know until it gets there i tend to believe that those coaches are probably right at least for a season or two eventually like you know the players will adapt the coaches will adapt and the game will get there but i think not having a shot clock in high school i actually think that is uh a significant learning curve from a team playing perspective and i do like the fact that the way gonzaga plays is not how Virginia plays and how Davidson plays isn't how Texas Tech plays, right? And how Villanova plays isn't how Oregon plays. I I, I like those aspects about the game. Um, I predict that we will have this 24-second clock experimented on in the NIT by the end of the decade, but I don't think it's 2022. I would be surprised if we go to 24 before we hit the year 2030, I just don't think we're now we're getting there again, higher percentage of coaches going for 24 now saying we should do that than ever before. So it's moving that direction takes college basketball a while. I talked with one person who's on the oversight committee yesterday after this went up and uh, they didn't seem as they were not giving off the impression that this rule change was was coming around the bend here. Uh, it's gonna, there's going to have to be a lot more discussion, talk, and, fa- and frankly, uh, 24 backers pushing for it before we get there. So if you're someone who likes the 30-second clock, I think you're safe for at least another half decade before any change gets instituted. The last thing I'll add on this is that I, I, I agree with the coaches who tell you the longer the shot clock, the more opportunity there is for upsets because lower possessions, the fewer possessions, more opportunity there is for the inferior team to win. There are some coaches who will tell you that's why Virginia gets caught every once in a while because they're just playing low possession games and you know, they've got the better team, but they're playing low possession games and it, it gives the inferior team a, a better opportunity um, to, to beat them. Think of it uh, as a football game. Like the, 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 it, what, what if you only had a one quarter football game? Well, then Alabama might get beat sometimes. I mean, probably not, but you get the point. You stretch it out over four quarters. The, the Alabama's yeah. <laughs> going to, they're going to get you by the end of it. If you made it six quarters, the, the the likelihood of you upsetting them would you know fall even uh, uh even even lower so i i get that i i think the counterpoint would be lower shot clock um probably more three pointers attempted and that's how you actually get upsets is some team goes out and bangs home you know 16 of 34 from three, it'd be like the NBA and just That's like exactly the twelve right. point lead is is gone quicker than it in the, you know, than it is. In you hear it all the time in the NBA. Um, you'll get this weird result, like and the Warriors just lose to Sacramento, and you're like, well, how how did the Warriors lose to Sacramento, or how did how did uh, you know the Bucks lose to the Magic, and almost always go to the box score and just look at the three point shooting. It's like, oh well, the, yeah, they made twenty three pointers. In the NBA, you get you get wild results all the time, and they are often directly tied to three pointers attempted and three pointers made. And um, because in the NBA, that that's how the game's played now. It's a lot of three point shots more than ever. Yeah. And if you lower the shot clock in college, I think you'll increase the number Chicago. of three pointers attempted. 
and then you know you'll have a you'll have an inferior team. You know, go. I'm just making numbers up here, but go 14 of 31 from three, and that that'll lead to upsets. And so, uh, from an upset perspective, I could I could argue either 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 direction. We done here? I can see your nose. Let's get on out of here. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Huck Larnell. Thank you guys once again for listening to the Island College Basketball Podcast. If you're not subscribed, please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Over at Apple, we need five stars. A nice review. Type some words. There's more of us than there are of them. We might not get into the lake every time we go to the lake, but there's more of us than there are of them. I guarantee you that. Subscribe to the YouTube channel if you haven't done that yet. We'll talk to you again real soon. Till then, uh, take care. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.